0: Well, Merry Christmas. Christmas. I don't think anybody said that yet, right? And it was kind of bugging me. I love Christmas. And uh, Dave definitely showed that he loves Christmas too. And uh, Christmas to me is so very important because it was part of my early formative years in coming to Christ. I can still remember, actually, and and I I told the story in a little bit of detail first service, and I I went away thinking, I'm not sure about those details, but this part I remember when I was young, somewhere around 8, 9, 10, 12, somewhere in there, uh, I can remember uh, my mom had a really good stereo, some German brand, and uh, I brought out one of those great big giant records, and my mom's stereo is from the 50s, so think about it and uh, it was in the late 60s, thereabouts, and I put this Christmas album on, and I had brought some Christmas lights out. Parents were away, don't remember where they were, and I remember laying on the floor listening to songs like Silent Night, Holy Night, Angels We Have Heard on High, and there was something in my heart. I mean, I always liked Christmas, you know, dancing around the Christmas tree, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, but, It started to slowly dawn in me then. There was something behind all the tinsel and the lights, and I started to feel drawn into the presence of God. I mean, God was setting me up to pray to receive him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, this is our first Sunday of Advent, and it's a seasonal time we as a church begin to (laughs) anticipate celebrating the birth of Christ. And our world has tried to expunge or withdraw all the truth behind Christmas, and yet every once in a while the song's playing in the background or there's a manger scene or something, and and almost without noticing, your truth slips through. And I know that you, God, are drawing everybody. You do not wish that any should perish. You want everyone to be reconciled to you. You want everyone to uh, take an about turn in their life, their morality, their thinking. And so this morning, as we go through the Scriptures, as we think about how the wait is over for Jesus... And God, what joy this pastor had for service for an individual to come up and say, I just prayed to receive Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) The angels were rejoicing half an hour ago. And so, Father, would you just speak to us? Would you cause us to... Shake the dust off of our feet, the, the trappings in the ways of the world, and, and may we become more and more like you, selfless instead of selfish. Come Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So one of the traits, and I've shared this before, but I have a new illustration to explain it. I, I am not a terribly patient man. And I don't mean that I'll go buy a car on credit. I don't mean I'm impatient and will go hugely into debt. That's not what I mean. But when I finally decide that something maybe is okay for me to buy, I just can't wait. I mean, about two months ago, I started talking to my wife that I needed a new watch. And uh, she let me talk, and she knows I like to think through things with my mouth. And uh, I I had thought we'd finished the conversation, but unfortunately we hadn't, and I found that out later. So about two weeks ago, I went out and bought myself a new watch. I brought it home. I just had it sitting in our bedroom, and my wife looks at it and goes, what's that? And I said, it's my new watch. And she goes, what have you done? And I said, I bought a new watch. She goes, it's almost Christmas. She goes, I'm going to put it under the tree. Now, isn't that mean? She was going to wrap it up and put it under the tree, but she hadn't got around to it. So two weeks passed by. I saw it sitting there. Saw it sitting there. I saw it sitting there. So on Thursday, she was out working already, and I hadn't gone to work yet. I opened the box up, and I put my watch on. And it took her about a day and a half to notice. And I remember when she noticed, she looked at me and said, what have you done Can't you wait for anything? And I said, oh, but I so needed the watch and I sold the other one already and I I need something on my wrist. So I wasn't sure this morning because I shared with my wife I was going to say the story this morning. I wasn't sure this morning what I would wake up with a naked wrist or something on and I'm glad to say it's still on my wrist. But she threatened that it might not be there by tonight. But I just can't wait. Wait. I mean, when there's something good and exciting coming, I just can't wait. I remember waiting for my wedding day or, or waiting for my baptism or, or waiting for, and you can fill in the blanks. I don't know if you're aware how long people waited for Jesus to come. If you were to look in your Bibles, and you don't have to turn there because we're going to be looking at lots of Scripture, but if you were to go into the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, not necessarily the first book written, but chronologically uh, it is put as the first book, but it really is about the beginnings. Chapter 1 of Genesis talks about the creation of the world. Chapter 2 talks about creation in a little different way. Chapter 3 then starts to talk about the fall or the sin of mankind. And by verse 15, God talking to Mary, he says some words to her that resonate throughout history. He says, your offspring will bruise the head of the serpent. Now to Mary, you know that the serpent came and tempted her. She sinned, and then she tempted her husband who sinned. Thus began the evil in the world that we see. And just to set the record straight, God's plan was not for evil. In fact, he sees everything, and by his grace, he didn't just not create us knowing what was going to happen. But understand, right from the beginning, God had a plan for Jesus. Mary, your offspring, will bruise the serpent's head. In other words, evil will be relinquished and pushed back and people will be restored to their glory. That happened thousands of years ago. I mean, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus' birth, but it was probably close to 3,000 years since Genesis 3. It was actually 400 years and, and depending who you read, the book of Malachi, the very last book in the Old Testament. Some say Nehemiah was the last book written. But Malachi chapter 4, you start to see some prophecies and some more rekindling. I mean, going through the whole Old Testament, that bruising the serpent, it keeps showing up. My daughter Shaylin wrote Isaiah 9. I mean, over and over, and some would say anywhere between 300 and 600 times, whether the Old Testament prophets are talking about Christ's second coming, whether they talk about his birth and his death, whatever, it's three to 600 times. It's woven into the fabric of time. So for 400 years, prophets were always prophesying, God's revelation was being revealed, the Old Testament was written and pieced together, then silence for 400 years from Malachi to the birth of Jesus. Let me read the last words, the last prophet recorded from God before Jesus was born. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you Before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And here, listen carefully. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. There is a very strong reason why Jesus came. If Jesus didn't come, our holy and righteous God, who is tolerating sin in the world right now, and we're gonna go through that, our holy and righteous God, I mean, God holds everything together in order and in purpose and in time. And when there's this random agent doing its own thing, going its own way, not letting God be God, you can imagine the nuclear explosion that's been happening how the world has come unraveled, How, and we know from the Scriptures that originally lions and lambs laid down together. We know from Scripture that when the end times come, the lions and the lamb will lie down together again. The lions won't be eating those lambs anymore. Oh, a little side note from all this. I took up the challenge a few years ago that I would read one chapter in the book of Luke every day in December until the 24th. If you didn't know, there's 24 chapters in Luke. So this morning I'm reading Luke chapter one. And an angel comes to visit Mary to tell her she's about to give birth. And the angel quotes this passage. In all my research this week, somehow it eluded me, but God in his beauty... I mean, I'm reading it this morning because I was looking at Malachi chapter four. God and his beauty in my devotions, I read Luke chapter one and I I read this quote and I go, that's really cool, God. And God's going, I just wanted to show you. I I just wanted to work out circumstances in your life that, that you know I'm here and I'm in charge and I'm with you as you preach this morning. If I've seen one thing within the moving of Christianity into nations. Now, I love history. I love searching and researching. I've seen unity and love rise up. I've seen children reconciled to their parents. I've seen humankind reconciled to God. So doing a simple Google search this week, I did a few different searches of like, uh, has Christianity harmed or hurt society? And you get all these atheist pages that claim that Christianity is a scourge of the earth. It's judgmental, it's evil. Now, Now you have to understand, I'm the Star Trek guy. I watched Star Trek in the 60s till lately. And Star Trek struggles with this all the time. You know, their first directive is they'll never interfere in a society. And often in the society, they would even show this kind of Nazi kind of society. No, nope, Captain Kirk, he wouldn't intervene. Or you see this society that has a whole different set of sexual morality. No, nope, Captain Kirk wouldn't intervene. But one starts to understand that God has placed in the world laws and principles like gravity, What goes up must come down or whatever it might be. God has also put moral moral imperatives in place. He's created you and I and he's created us to operate in a certain way and when we begin to operate outside of our parameters, it brings destruction. God isn't trying to be mean to us. God isn't this judgmental old man that's ready to smite you. God loves you desperately and he knows what your DNA is made of. He made you. Oh, I love it. As I did this Google search, I found one search that talked about Africa. Now, I've come across this before, and I've even read it from here before. This is a different research. And they looked at Africa, and they said, especially where Protestant Christianity's gone, the country seems to just do so much better. Individual freedoms rise, women's rights rise, all these great things happen. And then this article tried to go on to explain, they, they thought, well, it's because individuals are more important and people are being nice to each other. And I sit there and go, people, there are some laws in the world. And when God enters in, and when God corrects, when God redeems, when God heals, when God changes your, your motives and your, your, who you are, uh, things are just unbelievably better. And whole nations rise up. And blessing comes down. Friends, Jesus' birth ushered in a new age of God's presence in the world. Mankind is being changed through being reconciled with God. The early Christian leader, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Corinthians these words So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Oh, and I love this. you got to let this soak in. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. The work of God has been at work since the beginning of time, since Genesis chapter three, verse 15. Evil may seem to be reigning, but God is advancing his kingdom of light through you and through I. I'm at Christmas now. Driving to church this morning, hearing Away in the Manger and Silent Night and a few other beautiful Christmas carols, my, my heart was propelled back to my beginnings as a follower of Christ. So what is the truth about evil? Uh, why is it so prevalent around, why, why do so many of us come to church, uh, we even hurt each other still, we, ha- we have soul wounds, we have pains, we have unforgiveness, we have anger, we have whew. turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, it kind of unpacks it all really well, and we're going to start in verse 3 to see that scoffers are scoffers. They've always been around and scoffers are going to increase and these scoffers are going to do evil because they don't believe the end will come. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 3 says above all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, "Where is this coming he promised?" Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for that day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Many years ago, I worked in a juvenile detention center, and because of that, I had to take a lot of courses, and I began to discover some emotional, mental disorders that are about, and some of those disorders, they cause people to not actually think about consequences. I know those with, born with fetal alcohol syndrome, that becomes a real challenge for them. That part of their brain, and, and some would argue that teenage males have the same struggle, struggle, but I'm not gonna go there. That frontal part of your brain that thinks that, that, teenage males, they have a really high death rate because we did, I did the craziest things. I can't believe I'm alive. But I would argue, according to scripture, I think we all have this disease called sin. And sin has caused a lot of us to not think about the consequences in our life. We have the belief that nothing happens to those who are evil or do evil. And those who are Christians, we've fallen into this, I'll call it, cheap grace idea. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we have to work for our salvation, for that was bought and paid for Jesus at the cross. But we get to say, oh, God is love, he's forgiving, and I'll just keep on sinning. It's okay. And I want to tell you, that is not God's plan for you. He has changed you, he has transformed you, and he wants you to understand and become to understand who you are in Christ and to start to live it. Most in this room believe doing evil has consequences, yet there are scoffers who do not, even within our midst. Their pain, their greed, or their rough experiences have convinced them that evil is normal and it's okay. As I was driving to church this morning, I was going past Costco Light. I was going across the main road heading north here. I got stopped right at the red. It turned red just as I got there. And I get so frustrated with that light. In fact, somebody from the city works in the, ch- works in the city, comes to our church, and he said, yeah, we're finally going to get control of that from Alberta Highways, and we get to kind of fix the timing. And Every time I go to it, I go, oh, it's not fixed yet. I'm sure of it. So I already had my teeth on edge, even though I'm listening to these wonderful Christmas carols. My heart's being warmed. One of my pet peeves in society is when people are selfish and self-centered. And it shows up in the driving and I've shared that a few times. So I'm sitting there and the light advance comes on and I'm going straight and people start going like they should And I could see this guy coming and I could see that my light was about to turn green and he was going to try to cut me off and I could tell that. So when my light turned green, I put my foot right in it and I lit up my wheels and I just went. And I remember looking at him as I went, he was mad. (laughs) And in my head I went, it was my right. (laughs) I was allowed to go then. You can't be mad. And one of the problems is I have this dash cam now that records everything I say, so I'm learning to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but you know, God doesn't even left me off of that. He goes, you know, I've been recording it for a long time, and I'm like, <sighs> and I've heard everything you've said. In fact, I hear everything you think. So I get to the next light by Canadian Tire, and I kid you not, I'm just relaxing, and I'm, ooh, it's green. This, this is awesome. It's always green. And it turns red, like, I I don't know what happened to the amber. Oh, well, I think God orchestrated it. And so the light turned red. I had to almost skid to a stop. And all of a sudden, I get this thought in my head. Do you think there's consequences to sin? And I'm going, thinking about the sermon, going, well, yeah, of course there is. And then I get this thought, what did you just do at the last light? Well, I exercised my rights, I said back and god said really and i thought of isaiah fifty three he was led before the shears, even though there was no guilt he took the sin that he didn't deserve i started thinking about the scriptures that say to consider others more important than yourself and all of a sudden i get this image that the car that was trying to go he had a pregnant wife in the back that was in labor and i don't know if it's true but i was going "Oh." I'm so sorry, God. And God goes, see, there's consequences to sin. Oh, by the way, I had an empty spot in my illustrations. I was stressing about it last night, and God said to me, don't worry, there's one coming tomorrow. I had no idea it was gonna be me. (laughs) But you may ask yourself, when is evil gonna stop? You see, God is holding back his judgment. Verse eight goes on to say, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. He's being really friendly to you now. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. You see, God has his timing, purpose, and plan. And to us, it may seem like forever, but with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Amen. He's so patient with me. And let me point out that when Satan guilts you, he does it in a condemning manner. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You're useless. You should just die. I can't believe you just did that at that light. When God talks to you, he convicts, which leads to repentance, which leads to life. God draws you in. He loves you, and he begins to transform you. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you understand the implications of this? The implication is that I might have something bad happen to me because we live in an evil world. I might get cancer and die. In fact, there's a pretty good chance that if Christ tarries, that I am going to die. In fact, Scripture says that the seed needs to be put in the ground. And when that trumpet blows, the dead in Christ shall rise. This is where the world's at. And God is holding back his wrath. I have a lot of loved ones. I have some neighbors. I have people I know that haven't come to Christ. And yes, does evil drive me crazy? Yes, do I get bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart? Yes. Do I do things that lights that I shouldn't do? Yes. I long for Jesus' return. I I cry out with the book of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come. But God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I'm so glad God's patient with me. Oh, let's read on, for the end will be sudden, and this is a little bit of motivation, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Oh, if you went in the 70s, you saw those movies, A Thief in the Night, scared us all to death. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Sounds pretty bad. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, oh, if you read scriptures and study scriptures, you start to understand that how we speed its coming is sharing Jesus, both to our neighbors, to people in Alberta, to Canada, and across the world. And as the brains were highlighted this morning i went oh there's a couple i keep forgetting they're on their path to the mission field i mean i think that makes about eight or ten couples eight or ten people anyway that are on their way to the mission field from our church in the last five or ten years i am so pleased that god is using us for we are speeding the coming of christ for god does not wish any to perish That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat but in keeping with this promise we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, so then dear friends, since we are looking forward to this and you're going, oh I kind of like my life right now. So you dear friends, since we are looking forward to this make every Effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. I am so excited about the set free coming up at the end of January. We've had about 60 people go through set free in our church. And even if you've been through Neil Anderson's Freedom in Christ, you know what this feels like. And as the advertisement said, it's a reset opportunity. Okay, you might say, okay, pastor, I'm all in. I I love what you're saying. This is my heart. And you may ask again, why is evil still free, though? And almost anticipating that, the writer of this passage begins to explain to us that the Lord's patience means salvation for you and for many. Verse 15 says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with wisdom that God gave him. Now I wrote down an illustration to bring this home and I I didn't want to say it because I've said it before and God said, I don't care. The people get bored with you and that doesn't matter. They got to hear this. This is from your heart. Now when I was in uh, about grade eight, nine, uh, my uncle, my mom's only living relative, so it's my, my mom's brother, my uncle, he got lung cancer. I remember hearing the news, and he used to live with us now off and on again. He finally got married, straightened his life out a little bit, things were going well. He got lung cancer, it wasn't looking good, but he went through chemo uh, by a medical miracle. It went into remission. Five years later, five years later, I'd heard that he had cancer again. So I was graduated from high school, and I decided to go down to Vancouver and visit him. And I remember sitting down as he told me the story of his cancer returning, and I was just so overwhelmed. But there was something else I noticed in the living room, and there was all these cards with doves on them. Now, I either thought he got involved in a cult or something weird was going on, and so I asked him, what's with the cards? And he said with tears in his eyes, he said, I've met Jesus, and I'm born again. I said, so what the card's about? He said, I got baptized last week. And then he looked at me and said, I know you're religious. Are you in a culture? What are you in? And I said, no, Uncle, I'm born again too, and I just got baptized two years ago. And we rejoiced together, and then we wept about his cancer. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is so great. God's going to heal him again. He's going to live with his two young boys forever here, and it's going to be great. Six months later, he was dead died of cancer, I remember being upset with God, and I've told you this part before, I cried out to God, and I said, why would you do this? And I wasn't really good at hearing God, but I remember very clearly the thoughts came to my mind. I gave him five more years, and I went, oh, you see, this is the heart of God. He does not wish that any should perish, but there is a natural consequence to sin that is about in the world. And yes, you have come to faith, this isn't about your salvation, but if you keep on sinning, if you keep not being who you are in Christ, there are natural consequences that will come about. Not to mention, even despite whether we personally sin, the sin in the world has caused the lions to eat the lambs, it's caused human cells to reproduce wrongly, it's caused our environment to go kind of screwy and weird, that doesn't mean we should abuse our world, don't get me wrong. I'm making a huge presumption here this morning. I'm gonna presume something, that what I've been talking about makes sense to you. I believe some of you that are here this morning maybe have never asked Jesus into your heart. And I believe this morning God is gonna change your life. I also believe some of you who are followers of Christ you have actually felt the searing pain of your own sin. And listen to me carefully. Jesus did come after the long wait and God is patient for many to be saved. And the waiting for healing of your soul and being reconciled to God is over. And I'm gonna make another presumption that I believe God is calling some of you to repent. It's not the condemning. If you're getting condemnation, that's not from God. If you're getting this gentle, loving, hey, you've been kind of off track. You got a lot of dust of the world on you. You've been greedy, selfish. You've been cutting people off at lights. Please stop doing it, because I keep sinning. Quit cutting me off. God wants to touch your soul. Wouldn't you love it if he had conversations with you? You sit there and go, well, you sure have a lot of times, God talking. You know, God does this with everybody that wants. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. Oh, and please be in the word of God. Read your Bible. It is the most powerful way to hear from God. And this is the first Sunday of Advent. Jesus has come. And Christmas Day is coming. And his birth was in due time. But I want to tell you, this morning is your time. Oh, the new heaven and earth is going to come, but there will be judgment coming, and there is consequences of sin. Therefore, live your lives holy. Be who you are in Christ. God, friends, is patient, but let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, there may be some this morning here that completely get what your word is proclaimed. They understand how they've been saved, they've been redeemed, they've been transformed. They understand who they are in Christ and they are endeavoring each and every day to live that way. I heard words yesterday from somebody who said to me, "Uh, life just kind of gets in the way sometimes and, and I haven't been going to church I've been doing my own thing. I, I've been kind of hearing God now and again, but, but God has not been the center and I need to change that. And there's some here this morning, they need to make some changes. They need to understand that the misery they're feeling can be turned around. There are some here this morning that have not yet prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are some here this morning that need to uh, say, yes, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I confess my sins and I repent of my sins. I I turn around and I want to pursue and be a follower of Christ. God is calling you. He does not wish that any should perish. So, Heavenly Father, as we sing this last song, let the words be clear from you. May we hear your voice. May we receive your Holy Spirit. May we live holy lives. May we walk who we are in Christ. May we discover who we are in Christ. May we quit living by the world. Even even sometimes we think, oh, I've got my rights. But we're still being selfish. Let us turn from selfish to selfless, just like you showed us, Jesus. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. As we sing this last song, we're.